0: Welcome to Shaping the Future of STEM, presented by Abbott. As a global health technology company committed to providing opportunities for students in science, technology, engineering, and math, we offer opportunities around the world, including our award-winning high school and college internship programs. In this episode, you'll meet Stephanie Sloick, a student at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, studying biomedical engineering as she interviews Lisa Earnhardt, Abbott's Executive Vice President of Medical Devices.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. I'm today's host, Stephanie Slowick. I've been an intern with Abbott for five summers and serve as an Abbott campus ambassador. Abbott has always encouraged me as a young woman in STEM and I'd credit that to having so many female STEM role models across the company. Today, I have the honor of interviewing one of those role models, Lisa Anhart, who leads Abbott's Medical Device Division. Could we start, Lisa, with you talking a little bit about your education and background in the STEM fields and maybe why you were interested in engineering in the first place?
0: Yeah, Stephanie. So I grew up in the cornfields of Illinois, not too far from uh, Abbott headquarters and just north of where you are at school. I, uh, you know, gosh, my first job was detasseling corn. Uh, and I guess the one thing I learned then, or that was my internship, I guess, in high school. And I learned there the value of hard work and education. I always loved math and science. Um, and my big brother was an engineer. And so I, I decided, gosh, between the combination of those two, it made a lot of sense. I did some summer programs. Programs exposing me to engineering and, and made in, in high school, and made the decision that yeah, that seemed like the field I wanted to study in uh, in college. So uh, I made the leap there. And I think one thing I love about engineering it's really about applying sort of problem solving skills to a lot of some of the most challenging uh, issues that we face in the world. So it's been a it's been a great career to build from.
1: So moving from corn to healthcare, you've been now in health technology for 25 plus years. Have you noticed any changes, big or small, regarding women in science in that field? For example, maybe opportunities for women in leadership or career development?
0: Yeah, you know, the, the field has changed quite a bit. I mean, I just think about even when I was in in college as a as a female engineer, and I remember it was oftentimes there was, you know, probably a quarter of the class that was maybe female, and that was probably at the high end. And so as I think about sort of my early days in working in, in healthcare and in particular medical technology, um, there was definitely more of a, a dominant male culture. I think things have changed pretty, pretty significantly just at even even. Even if I go to colleges today, I'm guessing the makeup of the classroom is very different than what it was when I was in school. Um, So I think we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go, both in terms of recruiting talented uh, females into STEM fields, as well as retaining them and continuing to see their careers flourish over the years.
1: I'm sure because of of people like you and others across the country, I've probably had a little bit easier experience than you might have. And I'm glad that it just keeps getting better and better and those women in STEM keeps on increasing. And that's actually a great segue to my next question. In doing some research for this podcast, I came across an article by the Pew Research Center about the phenomenon known as the leaky pipeline, which definitely relates to what you were just talking about, retaining women in STEM. So the research study said women with a college degree in engineering are less likely than men to actually be working in the field of study that they had studied throughout college. Based on your experience, what do you think is needed to recruit and retain that next generation of female scientists and engineers?
0: Yeah, I, you know, the recruiting piece, I think we're doing a reasonably good job of. And that's sort of reaching in, identifying, you know, high potential um, individuals earlier, making sure they understand the benefits um, and role and impact they can have in the STEM field. Uh, fields. Um, I think the challenge for us is really retaining at this point. And I think there's a couple of things there, one of which is really identifying potential early um, in individuals. And so making sure you're taking really purposeful career planning exercises with folks to develop promising talent. Um, and so not letting it just happen by chance, but being very purposeful about career development for, for high potential women. Um, and then I think also providing support. So we all go through life stages, um, um, it was very different when I was young and single, and and could move anywhere and could travel anywhere, and all those types of things. Well, things changed when I um, had my son, right? And so, and just recognizing that as a female, like there are uniquely some things that we do better, or we're the only ones who do it, like having children, right? And so, or bearing children. And so there's some things that, you know, will need to be different. And just recognizing those differences and providing support around it, you know, surround women, whether it be, you know, resources like childcare or certain policies that really promote um, promote women at every stage of their of their lives. So I think there's a couple of different things to, to really help with that retention. I think it's something that, you know, not just at Abbott and not just in the MedTech industry, but we're still working towards um, how do we make sure that, you know, you know, women are, um, you know, we're giving them in a sort of a fair and equitable shot at some of the top jobs, because we just have to recognize there are differences in terms of their, their life pass and, and we need to celebrate those and support those.
1: That's a great point. I know that right now in college having a family and doing those things aren't really in my immediate point of view, but looking ahead, I think that's really important. And I know I've seen plenty of articles about Abbott being really great for working mothers. And although it's far out, I think that that's really encouraging. So the next question, I noticed that our society tends to add the adjective female in front of important terms like CEO, engineer, and leader. How do you think we as a society can change our language to encourage women to hold these roles, yet not discredit their success by focusing on their gender?
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. You never hear male CEO, right? So I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Um, You know, by by calling it out, you're highlighting the achievements of women, you're you're setting forth a role model, you're celebrating the success. Um, But then also calling it out um, by by using that female as an adjective. um, You know, it's different than what you would would typically do with a exceptional CEO. You might call them visionary CEO or impactful or world changing or top performing CEO. And so I do think, you know, the issue is both, you know, it's as simple as sort of word choice, right? But because we treat women CEOs as a bit of an anomaly because there aren't as many leaders in that role, um, we focus pretty strongly on who those individuals are versus what they've done. Um, and so I, I do think um, as we as we move forward, it's you know it's important to recognize that you know don't just focus the conversation on the fact that an individual is is female and and you know what a unique set of circumstances. Just you know it's it's not bad to acknowledge it, but at the same time you know moving the conversation away from sort of femaleness and and may, and make it sort of. More, more acceptable to talk about other traits that make them such a successful leader or a role model in their own right.
1: How do you think you would want to be described? What are those adjectives you'd rather have than just female?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a great question, uh, Stephanie. Maybe. Um, Visionary, engaging, inspiring. Um, there's lots of other words. Um, you know once again, I don't mean to take away from being a female CEO and I do recognize it's it's important. I mean it's important for folks to recognize that women can be CEOs. they can um, can take on major um, you know air, you know roles of responsibility, but at the same time, that's not it, right? It can't just be female CEO.
1: I'm looking for adjectives. As goals for my career. So I thought I'd pick your brain a little bit there. So thinking back into your career, can you think of a time where you were feeling challenged and maybe your decision or expertise was doubted as a woman in STEM and maybe now as a leader?
0: Yes, yeah, Stephanie, there's probably more situations or examples than I would like to admit, um, especially earlier on in my career. Um, You know, but I think a part of that is not so much that, you know, was it that my decisions or expertise was doubted um, or did I doubt myself? Um, I do think this is probably self-doubt is probably a more common trait with. Um, at least that I've seen in, in women, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, at one point in my career, I was tapped and offered a job uh, to run a, a national sales force. And I remember when I got the call, I had asked the individual who was a male who I would have considered a mentor at the time. I'd asked like, "You really think I'm ready for this? Like really me? Like, <laughs> and he said, "I never want to hear you doubt yourself again. So, you know, it's just, it just, you know, it was so great that he called me out on it because I just, it was such a natural thing saying like, gosh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm quite ready for this. And he's like, I never want you to, to think that like, I wouldn't be offering you the job if I didn't think you're ready and you were capable and competent and that you would do a fantastic job. Um, So it's interesting. So as much as I think, yeah, absolutely. There were situations where I felt like I wasn't. Um, maybe I wasn't heard um, and maybe, you know, I would I would make a suggestion and then literally some a male colleague would make the same adge- suggestion 10 minutes later and they'd be like, great idea, Joe. But I think part of which, too, is just my own self-doubt and just remembering that you didn't get to where you are by accident. Um, it doesn't happen that way. So sometimes that own inner voice can be our worst enemy. That's
1: so encouraging that you were able to recognize it and you had a support there to help you you build yourself I feel like I struggle with that too that imposter syndrome of is this right for me did I deserve this did I what did I do to get this but I think you're totally right it's that it's that inner voice that could make or break and positive self-talk positive mentality is really important there yeah so at what time in your career have you felt most challenged and how did you persevere
0: I think early on in my career, I had a role where I was a marketing manager and I was leading a significant product launch for the company, high profile, high impact. I was working with a cross-functional team where many of the folks actually didn't report to me, um, and so I had to influence them um, as a, as a team leader. And it was really challenging. The timelines were tough. The goals were ambitious. Um, I was working like a dog and I think in terms of perseverance part was really just focusing on the end goal and just keeping that in mind because you sometimes should get caught up. There's just so much happening when you're working on a major project like that. You sometimes, you know, lose the, um, you know, lose sort of what ultimately is most important. Um, Secondly is really focusing and and ensuring I'm surrounding myself with great people, both personally and professionally, folks I feel like who want me to win, who are uh, my best cheerleaders. And then uh, my husband always says, Lisa, take 10 deep breaths, you know, just relax, take a deep breath, take 10 deep breaths, even better and just reflect on the situation because oftentimes situations aren't as challenging as you think they might be in the moment. And there's oftentimes a a solution to the problem that you're facing at any given time. It's just putting it all in perspective.
1: I think I need to remember that. Take 10 deep breaths because I feel I can get worked up in the same way in those stressful situations. One of the most common things I hear when I tell somebody I'm majoring in bioengineering is, wow, that must be so hard. And sometimes I feel like this mentality can be a little bit of a barrier to my success. Do you have any advice for me and other young women who may feel limited by others' expectations?
0: Yeah, I think it's just own it. Like, yeah, it is hard and it's super challenging and I love it. Um and just kind of putting it back on them because that's probably not the response they're they're expecting. Um they're expecting to see some of that self-doubt we talked about earlier come through. And in this case just say, Yeah, it is challenging and, and that's one of the reasons I love what I'm doing so much.
1: I love that. One of the things that my, my roommate and I like to say is like, we can do hard things and when we're we're both bioengineers and when we're sitting working on some long problem. We have to remind ourselves like that. Yeah, this is hard, but we can do it. And I think that's an awesome mindset there. What should I or yet other young engineers ask you and other leaders in STEM that I wouldn't yet know what to ask? I wouldn't yet know enough to ask.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Probably around the role of risk taking. and it's interesting, especially as an engineer, right? You're often taught taught a very sort of methodical way of thinking, and there oftentimes is a right answer, right? Well, as it turns out in the real world, not so many right answers. And so I think um, finding opportunities early in your career and often to practice taking risks is sort of taking that leap of faith. It's not easy. It's sort of counter to our sort of basic human need of staying safe. It's also counter to how you're being educated right now, right? Where you're, you're, you're getting to a right answer by using, you know, data and science. But I think, those, you know, that risk taking mentality and sort of getting some practice early is, is going to lead to bigger growth. So whether you, whether you fail or you succeed, it's, you're just better because of that. Um, and I think will help you become more sort of comfortable and confident in the decisions that you make. Cause as I say, like in the business world and in whatever field you go into there, the information you're going to get is imperfect. And it's going to be nothing like the problem sets that you do every day.
1: In the spirit of risk-taking and having the right mindset, what does confidence mean to you?
0: Well, I think confidence is critical to success in in a career, STEM or otherwise. Um, And I always look at it as just being confident enough to be yourself. Um, It really sort of starts and ends with sort of knowing yourself and what you stand for. Um, And I do think we oftentimes think about our careers and how we show up as a professional and think about who we're supposed to be versus who we really are. And I just realized, like, it, to develop my confidence, just, just being me, being my authentic self. Um, it's a way I sort of earn trust and respect for, from others and just sort of own where I'm strong and then, and then just recognize um, I, I don't know everything. And that is fine. Um, no one really expects you to. Um, and so I think to some extent, actually sort of you know, recognizing that and just knowing that you're never going to have all the answers. And that's okay. In fact, um, you know, having some humility doesn't mean a lack of confidence. So I think from my perspective, that's when I think about confidence is really being yourself and owning it. um, And, uh, and sort of, and then you can really lead from who you really are versus who you think you're supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. And I know that as we wrap up this, this podcast today, I'm going to take so much of this away with me of of risk-taking and being myself and surrounding myself with people who encourage me, I think those are all things that myself and anyone listening to this should really take to heart. And one last question I have for you, Lisa, that we have been asking at the end of all of our Shaping the Future of STEM podcasts is, would you rather build snow forts or sandcastles?
0: Snow forts, hands down
1: that's that's coming coming from someone who's truly from Illinois that's that's how you know
0: <laughs> who really did grow up in the of <laughs> Illinois right <laughs> I don't get much opportunity to do it today I would say on the flip side way more opportunity to yeah. build sand castles
1: that makes total sense well thank you so much Lisa thank you for being here today I really appreciate your time and really learned a lot from all your responses
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's always great to talk to you. I would just encourage you keep learning, doing what you're doing. It sounds like you're on a great path to success. And and I think at the end of the day, be you, do you. It's really hard to be someone else. So it's way too much work. So be you and I would expect great things to come. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed Lisa and Stephanie's conversation. For more on our STEM sisters, go to www.stem.abbitt and look out for our next episode, wherever you get your podcasts.